want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Just because it's late doesn't mean we're done yet. And the quarterback, you kidding me, coach? There's still plenty more hits to dish out. Well, he really hit the shit out of that one, didn't he? Look at that, he hit the fing ball. That gets a free stake. <laughs> this is Late Hits. Late Hits. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph. Get Physical Rx. And by Dr. Krista Reyes. Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. Look in my eyes, what do you see? This is the only live local and consistent evening sports radio show in the city of Houston. Late hits ESPN 97.5. Patrick Creighton with you. 713-780-3776. 713-780-ESPN on the HRP listener line, on the text line, on Twitter at P. Creighton 1. Brian McDonald on the other side of the glass at the Master Controls. How's it going, PC? Uh, at Sacked by BMAC. You got it. On the Twitter. On the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. ESPN975 app, ESPN975.com. Hey, Google, Alexa, play ESPN975. Take us with you everywhere you go. You know you want to. Now, before we get into the show, I got some beef with um, some of my brethren employees. Oh, you starting? You're firing shots right got, off the bat. Got a little beef. It is straight up ranking here. <laughs> well, you did follow a show with three with three dudes uh, in the studio. Absolutely straight up freaking rank in here. Uh, I looked at the thermometer. It is north of ninety degrees in the studio. Sound ideal. Now. There's been a lot of construction going on throughout the building, and maybe that construction has um, prevented the air conditioning system from working. Do you think any single one of them, any one, BMAC, anyone, could have sent a text message at any time during the day? Hey, man, just want to give you a heads up. It's really hot. The AC's out. Bring some extra drinks. Do you think <laughs> it would have been nice. It would have been nice. Yeah. Just Common courtesy. A little heads up. Nope. Bunch of selfish SOBs. Don't give us a heads up. They leave the place stanking like dirty socks and underwear. And nothing. Nothing at all. Not even a can of Lysol to, to help us out here. This this is... These are these are hazardous working conditions. You have to file a grievance with the union that I'm not a part of. <laughs> the has, hazardous work... You, but, <laughs> You're a warrior, PC. I know you'll find a way to battle through. You know, with uh, and it's not even like 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 our management could do anything about it, right? No. It's the whole building. There's yeah. nothing we could do about it. But it would have been nice if any of my coworkers could have just shot a text message. Um, hey, P- hey, PC. Uh, just want to let you know the AC is not working today, so uh, you might want to bring like five Gatorades because you're going to sweat to death. Yeah, if you make it through the full show, maybe we'll find some heroic music to go out on. There we go. Yeah, a little, well, a little. Uh, uh, Rocky Fort. Exactly. So, yeah, like you're running up the steps. That's the equivalent of what you're doing here with this two-hour radio show in the sweltering heat inside this building. I'm telling you. What we do to bring entertainment to our listeners. We do anything, even sit in a nasty sweat box to get this thing done. Because we love you guys. And, uh, you know, we, we, we want to make sure we don't we don't disappoint. But, man... You're here for the people. PC. The other, the other guys I work with, they let they let me down. They let they let me back down. It's 
It's roasty toasty in there, too. See, I don't want to say I'm used to it, but I work here on Sundays, and it's always hot in here on Sundays. So I almost feel like accustomed to it in some way. It's wrong. As Uncle Tony used to say, it's wrong. See, I don't think I could pull it off saying that word like that because I don't have any Italian in me. You can't wrong. I don't have any New York in me. I don't think I could pull off saying it like that. Just just takes a little bit of practice. You'll you'll be able to get it. But uh, it's... I'll tell you what. It's, it's made a little easier by the fact that a couple of really good things happened for the Astros this weekend. Number one... They won every freaking game. (laughs) Yeah, that helps. Uh, Especially since they're playing the 1998 Yankees, otherwise known as the uh, Oakland Athletics. uh, The Oakland Dells. Also, despite all of the constant bitching about Dusty's lineups, oh, they were scoring runs. They scored, what, 14 runs over the weekend? Well, I know it was, uh, what, six yesterday? Six yesterday, eight Saturday. Oh, wow, they scored runs. They must be doing it in spite of Dusty, right? That's the that's the logic here. Yeah, I think the, I think the lineups Dusty puts out fires them up to and rallies them against Dusty, and they perform in spite of it. Yes, that's clearly what it is. I mean, he's an inspirational figure. It's not like you know the team might I don't know have respect for a guy who's a future Hall of Famer and top ten all time managerial wins, played the game, was a, an All Star player, uh, was a World Series champion as a player. Yeah, no, no, no this guy's. Man, he, nobody. He's nobody. Just, just get rid of him, right? Sitsing, a bum. Sitsing a little sarcasm. Stinks. Here. It's awful. Throw him out. Put him in a trash can. Oh wait, we don't use that word around here. No, that's yeah, that's Bad. that's. I think that's forbidden at this point. Might be. It's but, kind of uh, faux pas there, PC. The Astros just doing what they always do under Dusty, and that's win. And Lance McCullers Jr., who look, if we're gonna be fair. Did not look very good in Sugar Four Land. walks. Well, are you, are you talking about Sugar Land? Yeah, I mean, his last start in Sugar Land gave up five earned his, runs. His velocity was down. His command was not strong. Uh, that was a very impressive performance for his first game back off the I.L. Are you a little concerned about the walks? Because I think a better lineup than the Oakland L's might be able to take advantage of him issuing out Four walks in six innings. I think the walks are a part of the fact that realistically, he probably wasn't fully ready yet. He hasn't doesn't really have that firm command just quite yet. But six shutout innings, two hits, four walks, struck out five. Uh, only through eighty-one pitches in those six innings. Uh, would would it have been uh, against a better lineup? Would he have had the same success? Eh, probably not. But again. He was coming off giving up eight earned runs, nine runs total, eight earned runs over not quite nine innings. Yeah. In his last two starts at Sugarland. Both Land. against the Round Rock Express. I guess what we figured out is the Round Rock Express lineup greater than the Oakland A's lineup. Yeah. <laughs> at least that. But the idea is Lance McCullers Jr. came up and elevated his game to the major league level. As much as people like to, you know, mock the A's, the L's, uh, that they, oh, they're not a major league team. Stop. They're a major league team. They may not have very good pitching, and they probably don't have the best lineup. In fact, they might have the worst lineup. But every one of those guys is still a major leaguer, and it's not like uh, the Oakland L's have not 
been a thorn in the Astros' side Especially this year. Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp like, has an OPS over 800 this year against, or at least coming into the series, had an OPS over 800 against the Astros. I mean, if, if we're going to be fair, if we just look at the games they've played so far, uh, Astros win, Astros win, Astros win. Astros win the first four. Then the L's, Astros, L's. So now it's 5-2. Astros, 6-2. L's, 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 6-6. Six, six. Astros take the next three, 9-6. So up into this series, the Astros and the L's were even six games apiece. So let's not go with the, oh, they're a garbage double-A team. They've got no business being on the same field. They've beaten you six times this year. You know who hasn't beaten you six times this year? Anybody else in the division? Yeah, or the Yankees. So yeah, the Yankees. Def- or, or both New York teams combined. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, let's so so let's uh, hit the brakes on the oh, but they stink. It doesn't matter if you pitch well. You pitch well. It doesn't matter who you're pitching against because all of those teams are major league teams. You have to play who's on your schedule. You win who's on your schedule. Uh, I don't remember anybody ever saying oh. Sean Watson was awesome. So what if it was against, you know, the Jags? They stink. Like, there was never that. It was, oh, he had 350 yards. Same thing, you know, when uh, when James Harden dropped 61 on the pathetic Knicks. It wasn't, well, it was the Knicks. They suck. Yeah, 61 still impressive. And I think one of the things that has plagued McCullers early in his career is just not being very efficient, not being able to go deep into games because he goes for strikeouts and runs up high pitch counts. But you mentioned, I believe he was, I think you said 81, 85 pitches. 81 pitches in Which is in actually six pretty, pretty efficient for six innings because usually you want to be about 15 pitches an inning, which would be 90 pitches over six. So, I mean, look, obviously the, the Oakland A's are not the greatest opponent in the world, but still it's nice to see that despite issuing out four walks, McCuller is able to get through six and under 90 pitches. That's pretty efficient for him. You know, he got two double play grounders. They had to strike him out, throw him out. So they had three double plays in that game. Uh, McCullers was efficient. And, and the Astros scored 21 runs in this series in three games. For those of you keeping score at home, we know you are. That's seven runs a game. So for all of the, oh, but Dusty's lineups, how are they going to win in the postseason with Dusty's lineups? They did just score seven runs a game for the whole weekend. It's not like, you know. And we finally saw Mancini in left field. You saw Mancini in left. You saw Mancini in first. This is, and I know we talk about this. Dusty's got that, like, 90s, 2000s National League manager style, which means he wants to have all his guys hitting. He doesn't run out. He, he's not a, an old-school AL manager who throws the same nine guys on the lineup every day until one of them's too tired to play and drops uh, and then you got to throw somebody in the lineup who hasn't had an bat in a month. He keeps everybody playing. And, and as he said, he wants to get Myers going. He wants to get Yuli going. He's trying to get all the bats in the lineup, a decent amount of it bats, so that guys can find their swings and, and be productive. So that if they do get called on, they got to play a handful of games, somebody gets hurt. They're not coming in ice cold, one at bat in two weeks. Either you understand that or you don't. I can't just keep smashing you over the head with it. You know, they wanted to get Jeremy Payne to go. Well, Jeremy Payne got hot this weekend after being, what, six for 51 
Yeah, he had gone through a, a prolonged cold stretch there. Yeah, Chaz has been getting some hits with guys on base. Uh, Machete is either big home run or just 0 for 4. Vasquez had uh, three hits yesterday. And, you know, the idea of, you know, the, still the, oh, well, you know, Machete has to, he's got to be the starter. Vasquez can be the backup. Are we still on that wagon? Is anybody still on that wagon? I, I would hope not. I mean, I think what we we saw this one from Vasquez in Boston. I mean, he was hit, I think he was over, hitting over two eighty when he came here. Yeah, and he's had some multi hit games. He's he's a better contact hitter. Obviously, there are things that Machete does that you like, but if you're looking for a better contact hitter that could drive in runs in key situations on a more regular basis, it's definitely Vasquez over Maldonado. He's a much much better hitter, and you're not losing defensively because Vasquez is a noted good defensive player. And, you know, Vasquez hitting 280 this season uh, versus Machete hitting 184. I, I promise you, there is not so much difference in defense between Martin Maldonado and Christian Vasquez that makes up 100 points of batting average and 75 points of on base. Yeah, Maldonado would have to be prime Pudge Rodriguez for it to matter. I mean, defensively, for it to matter in that big of a difference with batting average. And he'd have to be compared to a guy... Um, who played defense like Mike Piazza, but hit like Charlie O'Brien. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you talk about a guy who's hitting 280, and well, Vasquez doesn't have a great on base, a 322 on base. What would you want the split to be? I mean, I think I'm leaning three to two, Vasquez. I, I think that's about right. I, I feel like 65 35, which is really not much more. You know, three to two is still 60%. Uh, I had 65%, so it'd be like. Three two three two four two three two three two three two four two. Like every third series, Vasquez would get the extra game, uh, type of thing. Or because look, he's he's going to wind up coming in any any time Maldonado's in the game, and it's a tight game late. Vasquez going to come in and pinch hit. So the idea that if, if he's if he's a better bat that you need to pinch hit him later in the game, then he should be starting to get the extra bats to begin with. He had three hits uh, yesterday. Uh, along with an RBI, so he's 43 RBI on the season. And to give you an idea, despite the fact Vasquez hits the bottom of the order and hit the bottom of the order in Boston as well, Vasquez has 43 RBI. Would you like to know how many RBI Jose Altuve has? Uh, he, I know he was in the 30s as of a couple weeks ago, so it can't be much more than that. 41. There you go. And, yes, he hits leadoff. Uh, Which but he shouldn't be, but that's a whole that's a whole other argument for another time. They don't time. have a leadoff hitter. Yeah. If we're just going to be real about it. Why does Otuve only have 41 RBI? Because the bottom of the Astros lineup, particularly spots 8 and 9. Because Maldi had been in front of them all year. Have basically <laughs> been out. Yes, exactly. Right? Whether it's been Dubon, whether it's been Myers, whether it's been Chaz. Uh, you got Maldi. Uh, you had Castro, who wasn't even hitting 100. The bottom two guys in the lineup haven't been getting it done on a consistent basis all year long. So there's never anyone on base when Altuve comes up. That's why he's only... Now, look, I would like to see Altuve battle you know, at least second, but they don't have a leadoff hitter. And that's why they ask Altuve to do it, because uh, despite the fact that he... I mean, look, I don't, I don't think Altuve is, quote, their best hitter anymore, but I still think he's their second best hitter. Yeah, I mean, I think clearly Jordan has taken that mantle, but Altuve's definitely second. And I'd love to see Altuve batting second, but they just don't have 
a leadoff guy. Hence why I wanted them to go get Andrew Benintendi so badly. I mean, I think you're hoping at some point that uh, that Pena becomes that guy. But with this cold stretch he's gone through with July and into August until this weekend, he's just not shown himself to be that guy yet. And he's Pena clearly needs to improve his walk rate. Oh, for sure. Because and and that's that's a normal thing with young players to have low walk rates because you're still learning your pitch recognition. You know, first year in the majors, you're going to see a lot of stuff you haven't necessarily seen before. Better velocity, much better pitching. So you're you're going to have that uh, where learning curve. But for a guy with with his talent, you would expect uh, his eye would improve because he's shown uh, he's shown a good eye. In the minors, even though he struck, even though he strikes out a lot, he's still shown the ability to draw walks in the minors. He hasn't shown that yet this year. Uh, his on base is, is forty one points higher than his average, which is low. That's a, that's a low number. To give you an idea, uh, Altuve is almost ninety points higher, and he's a guy who doesn't have a great walk rate. No, never has. You know, Bregman has a big walk rate. His uh, on base is almost 110 points higher than his average. Yeah, I think Bregman has the lowest chase rate in the league, or, or near the top at least. Bregman's got a great eye. He, he doesn't get himself out. Jordan has a, a, draws a ton of walks. His, his on base is 104 points higher than his, than his average. Uh, you know, Kyle Tucker's on base is nearly 100 points higher than his average, which is important because he's hitting 249. Uh, but like, those, are, those are the different things that, that you're going to see with, with those guys. They've got much better plate discipline. Uh, Chas McCormick has has decent discipline at the plate, even though, again, chases too many pitches and strikes out. His on-base is 90 points higher than his average because he does draw walks. So being able to, to improve that aspect of his game would be the difference between Jeremy Pena being a, ultimately a guy who settles the bottom of the order or a guy who hits the top of the order. You know he's hitting two fifty one. I would expect over the next couple of years, Pena will wind up being about a two seventy two seventy five hitter. And if he's a two seventy five hitter with a three sixty on base, yeah, you could take he'll that probably in the back too. Yeah, you could take that in the leadoff spot. And with his speed for this team, you could put him into the leadoff spot because Pena does have terrific speed on the base paths as well. So, uh, and if you've got a three sixty three seventy on base, you can lead off. If you've got a 315 on base, you're not going to lead off. Not as a regular. If you're there like one day because, you know, three guys are getting the day off, different story, then uh, you're there every day. But if you're going to be an everyday leadoff hitter, your on base has to be at least 360. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll get more into uh, the Houston Astros, uh, who start a four-game series with the White Sox in Chicago today. That game just got underway about five minutes ago. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, as well, but uh, the are you all ready to stop acting like a bunch of spoiled brats when it comes to the Houston Astros? This is Late Hits on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 92.5 presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph Get Physical Rx and by Dr. Crystal Reyes Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Patrick Creighton. Uh, Alex Yana is now joining BMAC on the other side of the glass. So we now have two producers today. I'm, I'm a little special. Uh, for uh, all the dusty lineup hate, 
about uh, Mauricio Dubon leading off because Dusty doesn't like to change the whole lineup uh, when he inserts one or two guys in. Well, Doobie led off with a single. Yuli should have bounced into a fielder's choice, but uh, Doobie beat it out because the third baseman may have uh, had a little bit of the oopsies. Jordan Sackfly scores Doobie. Breggy double scores Yuli. It's 2-0 Astros. And, uh, you know, I understand people disagree with the way Dusty creates his lineup. And that's okay. You're allowed to disagree. And there's a big difference to me between disagreeing and calling for the man's head. And there seems to be a lot of calling for the man's head. And this extreme overreaction of, well, if they don't change what they're doing, he doesn't play the guys that that I want him to play, that they're going to lose in the postseason. Shut your idiot mouth up. That is n- that is the dumbest thing. And I see this crap on Twitter all the time. Man, Astros fans, you guys are so damn spoiled. Your team's on pace for like 104 games. And you're crying. All right, go be the, the freaking junk grabbers, you know, 13 games under 500. Go be the Oakland L's and be 30 games under 500 and cry. You're 34 games over. You're the best record in the American League, and you're you're whining, oh, well, the lineups, we're going to get bounced in the playoffs because of the lineups. The same lineups that have you 34 games over. Stop it. Get some help. See a psychologist. Go to a counselor. Make love to your wife if she'll even tolerate your whining bitch ass. Enough with it's like it's like y'all can't be happy if you don't have something to bitch about. And for all the whining and crying about Jake Odorizzi, oh, well, he doesn't have a big-time fastball, and he doesn't have a crazy spin rate. He doesn't have a, a huge swing-and-miss pitch, so he sucks. He's terrible. DFA him. Pitching a half a run better than the league average. But anyway, now that he's been traded, it's like y'all needed a new target to focus on. You needed something else now to bitch about. And since, you know, Odorizzi was not your analytics star boy it seems to be one of the things in in houston uh everybody seems to be really high on analytics and and if you're not the the kind of person analytics says all kinds of wonderful things about you're a bum you stink and dusty doesn't go straight full bore analytics i mean i remember guy in houston doing the analytics thing uh leaving garrett cole in the bullpen and costing this team a world series I remember a guy in Tampa Bay doing the analytics thing when Blake Snell was damn near unhittable. Took him out of a game they needed to win because, you know, the analytics. How'd that work out for him? It failed miserably, didn't it? You know, isn't the, the analytics... What Yankee fans bitch about that uh, Joe Girardi and Aaron Boone rely too heavily on the analytics. And they're always yanking guys in and out. Hmm. But here, in Houston, we have a manager who uses a blend of analytics and traditional managing. And Oh, they're the best team in the American League. Fire his ass! Do you see how dumb that sounds? 
And we don't agree with everything that he does. And that's okay. I don't agree with everything that he does. But here are the things that I know. Every guy in that locker room is going to run through a damn wall for Dusty Baker. Every guy in that locker room loves Dusty Baker. They do damn near anything for him. So this idea, Dusty's going to hurt the team in the postseason, it's it basically you need something to gripe about. With this size lead that they have in the division, the Mariners are never catching them, let's be real. That affords Dusty the ability to try to get guys at bats and try to get them going. Guys who, who aren't hitting gives them time to let Jake Myers figure out his way at the plate. Find out, all right, can, can he get right? Or, you know, is the shoulder going to be too much for him to overcome this year? You know, Tucker's hitting 249. Tucker's not coming out of the lineup. Alex Bregman's up to 260. Yuli's hitting 242. Had a nice July, struggled a little bit to start August, starting to hit a little bit again. They still find ways to win. And against teams like Oakland, with 30 games under, like the White Sox, who are three games over and really not in the Astros League, you're going to give guys days off. Well, these are the kind of teams you can do that. Yet they keep winning. If Dusty was putting out lineups that everybody disagreed with and they went, you know, 3-12, and 12, you got a gripe. When they keep winning, you just sound like a dumbass. And this projection that somehow in the postseason, oh, they're going to lose because of these lineups. Mauricio Dubon's not leading off in the postseason. Jose Altuve is. I mean, can we just stop already with the nonsense? Dusty's trying to get Yuli going. He moved him up in the two-hole. And for the most part, Yuli's kind of delivered since he got moved into the two-hole, hasn't he? Come through with some multi-hit games. He's getting some RBIs. Bregman's getting hot. Bregman really has been a totally different hitter since the Mets series. You go back to that first Mets series, that's kind of where it starts to turn around for Alex Bregman. His average is up about 40 points since then. You know, they will they'll continue to find more ways to get Mancini in the lineup. You saw on Saturday, Mancini got to play left field. It wasn't a disaster. That means, well, you get to play him out there again every now and then. You know, tonight they got Jordan playing left. Why? Because like Dusty said, Jordan wants to play the outfield. He's your best hitter. If he wants to play the outfield, you're going to give him a few reps. He doesn't necessarily have to play more than once a week. But if he wants to play, you can let him play every now and then. If grabbing and throwing a baseball is not going to make him pop that bone in his hand, and he's going to be happy, happy players hit better, just just so you know. They're trying to figure out how to get Jake Myers going. And you know what? When we get to October, if Jake Myers is still hitting 212, just sit. 
if Doobie's hitting 212 and Chaz is hitting 240, they're going to sit. Chaz is going to play. Still got seven weeks before then. And to act like everything they're doing right this second is going to be the same exact thing they do when the postseason comes, that's just stupid. Because you know better. Stop acting like dumb Yankees fans. Still want to get out there and tell you about, oh, my 27 rings. They weren't even born for 22 of them. They get their diapers changed in the 90s. Don't be those people. Don't be Nicky Totoro losing his damn mind every time the Yankees lose a game. Like, oh, we lost a game. Uh, we're now in third place and we're out of the postseason. Don't don't act like that. You're dominating the division again. You lead the American League again. The Yankees got some injuries and fell apart again. Clear favorite to go to the World Series, the American League. Clear favorite. Stop looking for reasons to gripe. Be happy. Enjoy your baseball team. They are the one team in this city that you can truly enjoy every time they play. Just learn to be happy. I would think that as sports fans, that's the goal. Learn to be happy. Now, to dampen your parade, we're going to get into the Houston Texans next. Although, you know what? First preseason game. I thought there was a decent amount of reasons to be happy about the Houston Texans. We'll hear from Lovey Smith. We'll hear from Davis Mills next. This is Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph. Get Physical Rx. And by Dr. Krista Reyes. Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. All right, so your Houston Texans got their first preseason game in the books. And look, I'm not going to go crazy over preseason game one because the preseason game one, 90% of that game is twos, threes, and wannabes. And when, when you're looking for what's going on in the preseason, the first week of the preseason, I'm not worried about what handful of starters played a series or two unless somebody got hurt. That's that I'm worried. But I am interested to see what the twos and threes do and how many of those guys play well. Because if you are a potential two or three and you look generic against the other team's twos and threes, you've got no shot of ever being a one or, or a legit two. If you look generic against the twos and threes, you're you're a generic player. Your guy, you know, 52. You better be good on special teams. If you stand out, you got a chance to, to roam with the ones. You make some big plays, you get yourself some some more playing time with the better guys. You know, who stands out, who who shows up? Right? Davis Mills. He didn't play very much. Why? Because he's the starting quarterback. 
And whether you want to go with the, oh, well, you know, he's he's only a second-year quarterback. He hasn't earned that. You don't get to make that call. Lovey Smith does. Uh, and have you looked what's behind Davis Mills on the quarterback death chart? If Davis Mills gets hurt, they are screwy, screwy, screwed. They got nothing. So not playing Davis Mills a whole lot game one of the preseason when you've got, you know, a token amount of your starters in, token amount of guys on the line, half the guys on your line aren't playing, to let him have guys try to kill him and risk your entire season because, you know, some fans think Davis Mills needs to show me something. Some media think Davis Mills needs to show me something. Davis Mills doesn't need to show you a damn thing. He needs to show Lovey Smith. And those guys are going to sh- see it a lot more in practice every day. If they hold joint practices with another team, that's when they're going to see a whole lot more of the progression of their of their starting quarterback, not in preseason games where the teams are going extremely vanilla. They don't want to put anything on tape. Here, hand it off. Here, hand it off. Here, hand it off. Throw a short pass. None of that is is a big deal. I'm not looking at any starters from this game and making any judgments because they were never going to do anything other than the basic of the basics, and they weren't going to get a whole lot of reps. Where I'm looking is the twos and the threes. Who did what? And number one right off the bat, Damian Pierce busts off a 20-yard run, averaged 10 yards a carry, had five carries and 49 yards, and that dude looks like a wrecking ball. That I want to see Damian Pierce getting more and more carries. I want to see Damian Pierce working in with the ones. I'm not necessarily pigeonholing Marlon Mack as not capable of being a one. But, man, Damian Pierce looked, he looked like a dude. And they haven't had a dude in the backfield since Arian Foster. He looked like a dude. And if you want your team to to make that kind of progression, especially behind an offensive line that is not exactly known for opening holes, you need a dude. So I'm not ready to anoint him RB1 just quite yet. But I am willing to say Mullen Max got some damn competition. And that is a legit competition. At least it should be a legit competition between those two guys to be RB1. That should be legit. I like the defense getting the footballs. They didn't necessarily capture the football on some place where they knocked it out, but you saw one with uh, Jonathan Owens knocking the ball out. So I like that they were getting to the football. They got a, a handful of sacks. Booker had a sack. Uh, Okoronkwo had a sack. Derek Rivers had a pair of sacks. Heinish had a sack. They had five sacks. 
for a team that couldn't get to the quarterback with a bus ticket last year. All right, they had seven tackles for loss. They got penetration in the backfield. Again, it's it's twos, threes, and wannabes against twos, threes, and wannabes. But if you can't beat the twos and threes, you're never going to beat the ones. So be happy with the fact that, hey, you saw, you saw guys step up and play well. And, and that was important because, well, Jeff Driscoll just kept giving the football away. If you're three picks, and Texas still only gave up 13 points. Javon Smith had a pick. Javon Smith's going to be the, the kicker. That, he, he's another guy. He, he's got something. So there were things to be happy about with the Texans' performance. Some individual players. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of new young players that you're looking for them to step up, take their game to the next level, be ready to take on bigger roles, be more productive. They gave you all that. A bunch of guys gave you all that. I right, will hear from Lovey Smith uh, and some of his takeaways from week one of the preseason coming up next. This is Late Hits on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Presented by Dr. Jennifer Joseph. Get Physical Rx. And by Dr. Krista Reyes. Texas Sinus and Snoring Audiology. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Patrick Creighton. All right, so let's hear from Lovey Smith. Talked about the things that he was uh, happy with and, and some of the items that Texans want to address uh, in the aftermath of the game. First of all, Lovey Smith impressed with his young running back, Damian Pierce. He can run with power. He can make you miss. He can cut on a dime, catch the ball. I just uh, There's some things that he can do well that you expect you know, a good running back in the NFL to, to do. So as far as what we want to do is his first game. We want to get him some work. You know, for a lot of the young players, you just want them to get their first NFL game in. So that was big for him. Now now keep that in mind, all the things that you heard Lovey say about Damian Pierce, because he had five carries for 49 yards. Royce Freeman had 12 carries for 25 yards. Marlon Mack was 3-for-6, and Jeff Driscoll was 3-for-17 running out of the backfield, you know, scrambling or whatnot. But Pierce wasn't just their most productive back. He was their only productive back. Again, two threes and wannabes, but if you can't be productive against the two threes and wannabes, you'll never be productive against the ones. So what would it take for Damian Pierce to become the number one running back? Here's Lovey. Oh, I think it's a little later. It'll work itself out. You know, just every time you go out and you practice a play, they tell you something. And we're no big Harry. It's a while before Andy gets here. Um, Damon has been impressive uh, in practice. And we expected him to come tonight and do some of the things that he did. We'll just keep fighting through. Next week, another guy may have a good game. But um, it's safe to say that, you know, we like Damon for sure. Now, Lovey's trying not to, you know, bloviate too much on Damian Pierce, but here's the bottom line. 
every single person who's been out to a Texans practice have all raved about Damian Pierce. Everybody. You can tell guys, guys just look different than the other guys in their position group, and he just looks different. Uh, honestly, I don't think it will take very long for him to become RB1. If he doesn't start the year as the, as the top running back, I would not be surprised if he's the top running back by October. And even if he's not, quote, the starter, I could still see him getting more carries than whoever is the starter. You know, sometimes it's not necessarily the guy who opens the game, it's the guy who closes the game. Now, when it came to Davis Mills, you know, a lot of people crying. Uh, Davis Mills didn't play enough. I didn't see anything from Davis Mills. It's preseason game one. How many teams are running their starting quarterback for more than like two series in preseason one? But like nobody. But anyhow, here's what Lovey had to say about Davis Mills. They have a plan for him and what his reps are going to look like in the preseason. First preseason game, the plan is not to play him a lot. They play more the second and then the third. Uh, we use three. We have a plan for a three-game uh, preseason. I'll just say that. That's what we wanted Davis to get tonight. I understand he hasn't played a lot. but He's, he's got more reps in practice than anyone. We feel comfortable with uh, a, healthy, a healthy football team for the most part going in to play the world champion next week. Uh, he'll get his reps in. And that's the answer that you were waiting for. I think that's the answer we all really expected is, you know, this coming week when they play the Rams, he'll get more reps. And then week three of the preseason, he'll get more reps. And they'll get him ready for the, for the start of the season. And that is how basically every team treats their QB1. And while he might be a second-year quarterback and he was a third-round pick and he didn't start all year last year, he is their QB1, and QB2 is not very good on this team. And as you saw, QB3 is brutal. So they better keep him healthy and upright because they really don't have a backup who could win a game. Then Lovey was asked about Derek Stingley, their third overall pick in this draft. And, uh, if you've been following coverage of the team, uh, you've seen that in practice, Stingley has made uh, some very impressive plays. He's, uh, he's shown a lot of the athleticism and a lot of the skill uh, that made him a terrific player uh, at LSU. Here's what Lovey had to say regarding Stingley and whether or not he will play in this preseason. Derek needs to play uh, this preseason. True enough. But a little bit later on, like after Tuesday practice, we get a little closer to L.A., we'll talk about who's going to play then. Right now, I know that Derek's going to scrimmage tomorrow, and we're excited about seeing him continue to uh, get better daily, uh, which he's doing, being getting more and more comfortable uh, each day. For what they've invested in him as a top three pick, Knowing that he was coming off injury, there was zero reason to rush him on the field. There is zero reason to have him playing preseason week one. He is going to be a starter.
period, the end. It's not a question. We all know it's going to happen. He is going to start. Week one, regular season, Derek Stingley will be a starting corner. You know that you're ramping him up because he had a lot of, uh, you know, non-active time over the summer as he got his body right from injury. So, again, this should be, there are no surprises here. Everything is exactly on track. What the Texans had originally laid out, what their timeline for him would be. He is right on schedule. He has played well in practice. He's going to scrimmage this week, as you heard Lovey say. And he'll probably get at least a couple of reps uh, week two. Lovey also told you who his returner is. Uh, and that would be Trayvon Smith. The opportunities that he got last year in those situations, um, I thought he kind of stepped up a little bit. But um, he will be our returner. That, along with being able to do something else, uh, gives us flexibility. Uh, you, you still want to see guys make plays. And, you know, Tremont had a pick, had a couple of nice returns, had a nice return after the Texans got a couple of sacks, got the, the Saints pinned deep in their territory, got a weak punt. When he got a nice little return on a weak punt, set up a what first down for the Texans inside the Saints 40-yard line. So, you know, Smith had a, a very nice game one of the preseason. But as far as the entire preseason plan, well, Lovey has one, but it's still kind of early to say this, everything definite. Here's Lovey on the full preseason plan for this year. I mean, we have a plan, I'll say that, on how we're going to play our guys. But, uh, again, right now we're kind of, you know, still training camp mode a little bit. You know, our guys that will be playing for the season, most of them will get an extensive amount of, of time with one of the games. And that's pretty much everything Lovey had to say of note uh, after week one of the preseason. Now, they got a little bit from Davis Mills here. You know, Davis Mills, who, again, didn't, didn't play a whole lot, was three for three. They didn't throw the ball down the field. They were beyond vanilla. But Davis Mills did have a lot of positives uh, when it came to uh, his rookie running back, Damian Pierce. Or not. Well, we'll get to it eventually. I mean, he ran the ball extremely, extremely well tonight. I think what his average was over nine yards or something per carry. Um, if he can keep doing stuff like that, it's going to open up our offense in a big way. Um, I think the whole running back room is really talented. And, I mean, Damian showed kind of what they've, the work they've put in um, through the off season and throughout camp. It's important that the guy who is the you know mid round running back that has impressed everyone in the media, is also impressing his teammates, is impressing the coaches. Because, you know, those are the guys who have to have the faith and the trust in him to be able to do his job. And, and while it's one of the things that we all like about him is, is the way that he runs. He runs with power. He's, you know, he, he's got a, he doesn't have super burst. He's not a, a trailblazer. But he's got decent speed. And 
he can run guys over. He's a really tough runner. He's tough to bring down. And, you know, when it comes to rookie running backs, one of the most important things is going to be, you know, what does he do in pass protection? Can you trust him in pass protection? And that is usually the biggest thing that keeps a rookie running back off the field is if you're in passing situations and that guy needs to be in the pass block and he can't or he doesn't know how to pick up the blitz or he whiffs on blocks or he's slow to make reads, those are things that keep rookies off the field uh, and wind up to a lot of Rex Burkhead on the field. So while we're all looking at Damian Pierce and the way that he runs, that's part of the equation. It's an important part. It's part of the equation. Davis Mills also thought, well, the performance was fine, but they do still have quite a bit to continue to work on. Shot ourselves in the foot a little bit too much tonight. Um, a lot of penalty yards that, I mean, those add up. Put us in third and long situations that you don't want to live in. Um, I had to play out of that a lot last year, and, I mean, it's tough. So I want to um, stay ahead of the sticks in that regard. Um, thought we ran the ball pretty efficiently tonight. Um, they packed the box, played a lot of man on the edges, so. Um, loaded the box, but I thought we handled it pretty well. Got to the checks and um, different fronts and situations that we needed to, uh, game plan-wise. But, I mean, overall, I mean, I thought we played well. Just got to limit some of those penalties. Penalties are something you hope will uh, not be as big an issue as they get more of the regulars onto the field. They get a little more cohesion working together. Uh, but you never want to have the especially drive-starting penalties that put you, you know, first and 20 right off the gate. So, uh, yeah, that is something every team wants to work on. And, again, we'll see how that works out as they start to get more regulars on the field. All right, coming up next, the Texans have a new partner that everybody seems to be very excited about. And uh, we got some calls on the board we'll get to. All of that stuff coming up next.